Amen. That was beautiful, wasn't it? God was honored in our worship through singing and prayer and baptism. I just want to welcome you. Glad that you're here at part of Crossroads today. We are continuing, like Jesse said, a series on the reasons that Jesus came. And uh, it made me think about it in, earlier in life. I think, I think this is a common experience. I hope it's a common experience for every single one of us that we've all played hide and seek. Have we all played hide and seek? I think we've all played hide and seek. Well, I want to tell you who was bad at hide and seek. Me. <laughs> they don't, I don't think they have this side growing up. And, and when you're husky, you're not very good at hide and seek because you don't fit in those little places that other people hide in. And you're not as stealthy as the light, people lighter on their feet. And you can't outrun people when they find you. I didn't like hide and seek. <laughs> what was worse is when I was the seeker. You ever not be able to find somebody playing hide and seek? That's no fun. And when you find them, you can't catch them. That was me. All right. Christmas is a season of seeking. I mean, we're looking for the perfect gift. We're looking for the perfect tree. We're looking for the best light show. By the way, it's the Peck Light Show, Brian Peck. Uh, you need to go see his show. We're looking for the, the perfect experience with our family and the, and the best meal. We're just trying to make everything perfect, and we're seeking that out. But I want you to see that in the season of seeking, really where the seeking began is when God sought us that God was seeking you. And Christmas is about God himself seeking out you and seeking out me for a personal relationship with each one of us. And so we're going to see today that Jesus came to seek us, that we might have a relationship with him because some things are worth seeking, right? When that hot light, the red light at Krispy Kreme comes on, that's worth cutting across traffic. I mean, we're, that's worth seeking. When the new flavors of the holiday flavors at, at Starbucks come out, you're in line. Like, you're, you're looking for it. Uh, when pumpkin spice becomes available in every single place on the planet, you go find one, right? That's literally every woman in my house. Pumpkin spice season. What I want you to know, this Christmas, what God says is you were worth seeking. You were worth seeking. In fact, every single person on this planet was worth seeking. In fact, we have a seeking God. And so I'm going to start sort of in a strange place. Ezekiel uh, chapter 34. I want you to see the heart of God as a seeking God. And it says this. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and I will gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will, here's the word, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. You know what the heart of God is? That he is a God who seeks after the scattered and the hurting and the lost. 
I want you to understand the context of this passage and why it's so powerful because just two years before this was written by the prophet uh, Ezekiel under God's inspiration, Jerusalem had been encamped around and, and surrounded and besieged and destroyed by a Babylonian army and they had come and broken down the city. They had pillaged the area of Jerusalem, Judea and Jerusalem. They had taken away the, the captives, the best and brightest of, of Jerusalem. They carried away to Babylon and they literally left the city in ruins. And the reason that happened is because the people of God who had the word of God, who had the presence of God in the temple, had, had the sacrifices of God, had everything they needed to worship God, had strayed once again from following their God. And so in, in discipline, God judges and scatters Israel. Just two years later, we have a promise from the living God he says, even though you've been broken, I'm going to fix what was broken. And even though you've been scattered, I'm going to gather you back together. And he promises in this passage to look after them, to rescue them, to bring them out of trouble and safety, to feed them, to give them rest, to go searching for them and to bring them back. And those words might sound familiar because they're very familiar to the words of Jesus that we're going to look at today, where he says, I came to seek and to search, and to find. And Jesse mentioned it in the welcome that Jesus makes the statement in Luke chapter 19, and, and he's talking, he's, he's in the home of Zacchaeus, and he was a man who was far from God and had nothing to do with God, but something piqued his interest about Jesus, and so he was interested in Jesus, and Jesus said, I'm gonna spend time, I'm going to your house today, and he sought out this man, Zacchaeus, who was far from God, and this is what he says. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' purpose, his mission, is just like that of the Father. The, the heart of the Father is a searching and gathering Father, and the heart of Jesus is a searching and gathering Savior, where he, he longs to, to demonstrate that he loves us, that as a shepherd he wants to care for us, lift us up when we're down, heal us when we're broken and restore everything that's been taken. And that's the heart of God, and that's the heart of his son, Jesus Christ. And so he said he, he came to sin on that word because I think we use that word a little bit flippantly these days and say, uh, oh, man, you saved me. Or you're a lifesaver. And it's like somebody ran an errand for you, which is nice. Or, you know, somebody uh, takes a shift for you at work. Oh, you're a lifesaver. This is a little stronger message. When he says he came to save, it's a spiritual saving that Jesus is talking about. The Greek word is the same word in Romans 10, uh, 9, where he says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved from the penalty of sin. You'll be saved from the consequences of your actions. You'll be saved from eternal torment and, and damnation. You'll be saved from the most important things in life. You can be saved. And so when Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost, he said, I came to rescue those who would certainly be destroyed. And that word lost is, uh, is in the Greek, is derived from a root word to destroy. He's saying, I've, I've come to rescue those who are on their way to destruction. 
See, Jesus knew his purpose. He knew he didn't come to just clear up some theological confusion about humanity and and set us on the right path to good living so we can just live good, moral, clean lives in this life. No, Jesus knew his purpose was far beyond that. He came to rescue the most directionless, helpless people, those of us destined to destruction. Jesus knew why he came. His purpose wasn't to revamp a Jewish uh, religion. Jesus' purpose wasn't to start a new religion, really. Jesus' purpose wasn't to show that he had an inside track on the truth against the other religious leaders of his day. Jesus didn't come to set up a political uh, ideology in this world then, and I would say he's not here to just prove your political points today. Jesus' purpose is way bigger than that. Jesus' purpose was to bring life to lost people who are in danger of being destroyed. That's why he came. And Jesus dedicated three years on this earth. You you, you realize he could have just come and and went to the cross and died and spent very little time here, but he spent over three years seeking out those who needed to be rescued, those who know they were lost, the sheep that needed to be found, and person after person to him as the means to being rescued from what's to come. To enter, to, to usher people into a relationship with their heavenly father. That is why. He came. And that purpose got him in trouble over and over again. There's an example of that in, in Luke chapter 15, just a few uh, chapters before what we just read. And I want to read this to you. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. I love that. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around to hear Jesus. They were not the elites in their society. They were the dregs, the bottom feeders of the Jewish society were gathered around Jesus But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I have a couple thoughts on that. One is clearly the religious leaders of the day were jealous of Jesus' popularity. He hated the fact that they hated that they were flocking to Jesus and wanted to hear the teachings of Jesus and and he was the the man of the hour and they weren't, clearly they were jealous. But I, I got to thinking, why were they so dead set against Jesus eating specifically with sinners? Like they call it, he even eats with them. Like, where did they get that idea? And I searched, really, I tried to find in the Old Testament law something that would say, this is why Jesus shouldn't have done that. And the closest thing I could find was actually from the book of Joshua. And, And he says this to the people of Israel at the time. He says, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. So the Jews were instructed not to worship false gods. They were instructed not to make idols and worship them. They were instructed not to marry people that do those things. You know the old adage, it's kind of like the old adage, uh, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. You remember that? (laughs) It's kind of like that. He's like, like, just don't go there. Don't do that. Don't marry those people either. But can I tell you, there is nothing in the word of God that says distance yourself from lost people. Distance yourself from people that are hurting. Distance yourself from people that don't know God. There's nothing in the word that that says, that, that instructs us that we need to keep our distance from people that need God the most. There is an instruction to distance ourselves from somebody, and this is a passage you may not know. I'm gonna just read it. 1 Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 11. I should have brought my glasses up here. (laughs) It says, but now I am writing to you 
that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, who claims to be a Christ follower, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat. Here's that word, idea, don't even eat with. Don't even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are we not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. You know what God's word says? It says don't distance ourselves from the lost. They're the ones that need Jesus. The people we got to be wary of are the people that claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but who insist on an immoral lifestyle, not that they're struggling with it. Listen, you say, well, isn't our motto, no perfect people allowed here? It's absolutely no perfect people allowed. Meaning if you're struggling with sin and you're trying to overcome and you want to be more like Christ and God's working in your life, even if you stumble and fall, stumble and fall, stumble and fall, and you're struggling to make any progress, but you you desire to do the will of God in life, you are welcomed here. We want you here. But what God's saying here is we can't have somebody here that says, listen, my sin is no longer sin. And, and God's word doesn't define what is right or wrong. I'm going to do what's right. I don't have to listen to what God says. I'm going to say what is moral and immoral, what is just and unjust. And you have to accept me as a brother or sister in Christ, even though my lifestyle is lived in open, unrepentant sin. He says, don't eat with those people. It's yourself. But he never says, Distance yourself from the dregs. He never says distance yourself from the addict. He never says distance ourselves from the least of these. He never says distance ourselves from the atheist or agnostic or the person struggling to figure it out. He never says distance ourselves from those people. See, I think what the, the religious leaders of that day, and I think what's easy to happen in the church of Christ today is that we kind of lose sight of really why Jesus came. He see, came to seek and save the lost, that the love of God is so strong that people who are far from God are not gonna act godly, and the people far from God are gonna have it together, and the people far from God are gonna see the world that we see it, and we're not to condemn or judge them. We are to love them like the love of Christ that says he came to seek and save those people. And we're missing out on Jesus' intent. And listen, when Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and sinners, he didn't do that to indulge in sin. Clearly, he did not do that to indulge in sin. The reason Jesus hung out with them is so that he could meet them where they are and redeem them and save them and rescue them and bring them out of that lifestyle into a new life that's found in him. That's why he came. And I don't know about you, but that's my story. He met me at a place that I didn't want to be, and he pulled me out, and he's making me more like him. Praise God. Okay, so let's read a, let's read a, little, read a little story. It's found right after Luke 15. We just read that the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't like that. And they're talking bad about Jesus. So he tells them a parable. He tells them a story. A parable is a story with a point. And so in Luke 15, he tells three, but we're just going to read one of them. And he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way that when there, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over when, one sinner who repents than over 99 persons, righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus, Jesus perfectly illustrates his purpose in coming in this simple story that he came to become flesh for this purpose. And he came and it was born of a virgin at, you know, when we celebrate Christmas for this purpose. And he lived among us for this purpose. And his purpose was so that he could find the one that has strayed and bring him back to God. That's why he came, to seek and to save the lost So let me just ask you, I, I want to see if you'll put yourself in this parable in, in one of the places I'm going to mention here in just a moment. If we could try to find our place in this parable, not only where we are, but also how well you and I are cooperating with this rescuing God who wants to bring people that are far from him back to himself. How well are you and I cooperating and being a part of what he's doing to rescue others for him? Because I believe all people on earth really fall in one of three places. You are either, number one, are lost and need to be found. Let's start with there. You need to be, you're lost and you need to be found. The vast majority of this, people in this world are in this category. They are lost and they need to be found. I don't know where you are today, but there's surely somebody here that is lost and that needs to be found. And the only condition to be found is to know that you are lost. Isn't that good news this morning? The only condition to be found is to know you're lost. See, if you don't think you're lost, then you won't look to be found. You don't think you need to be found. The religious people of Jesus' day rejected Jesus, rejected him hanging out with Zacchaeus, rejected him hanging out with the religious people and, and all these other people. because Why? Because they didn't think uh, they needed Jesus. And they thought their righteousness was good enough to stay in good standing with God. And in their own eyes, they we're not lost. And therefore, they were lost. Nothing has changed. In 2,000 years, absolutely nothing has changed, guys. The only thing that will keep you from being found, the only thing that will keep you out of heaven, the only thing that will keep you separated from the heavenly Father who loves you is the pride that would keep you from admitting, I'm lost and I need to be found. It's the only thing. You guys know the wise men. We celebrate the wise men at Christmas time, right? They see the star and they come find Jesus and, and we got them in the manger scene. I, I, I really hate to say this. I really hate to burst somebody's bubble, but they probably came and found Jesus months and months after he was born. Now, my little manger scene at my house has the wise men gathered around baby Jesus in the cradle and all that. But don't be mad at me, mama. Don't be mad at me, but they probably came a lot later, all right? 
And you think about, well, the wise men were still were seeking out Jesus, and that's true, but I want you to see God made the first move, that, that God was the one who came out of heaven and came to earth in the form of a baby. He made the first move, and then he sends a star, and they were astrologers, and they saw the star, and so he made this star move to where Jesus was, that God initiated this pursuit of the wise men, and all they had to do was respond to what God was moving and God's first move. Can I tell you that the same is true for you and I, that God has made the first move when it comes to you and I? Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us, for you in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you ever figured out anything about God, God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And before you had made any move or any response to God, he says, listen, I'm gonna willingly lay down my life. My son, Jesus, who came in a cradle at Christmas would die upon a cross at Easter and he would lay in the tomb for three days and he would rise from the dead, proving that he was God, proving that by faith in him, you could have eternal life. And that is why he came. He, he made the first move and all he asked for you to do, just like the wise men, is to respond to how God has moved I want you to hear something. God is waiting on you to make a decision. God is waiting on you. If you are lost and need to be found, God is waiting on you to make a decision to put your faith in Jesus, the one who rescues you from your sin and gives you eternal life. If you are lost, you can be found. Secondly, I want you to see in this story that some of us were lost and have been found. We were that one we were astray. We were far from where we needed to be. We were outside the protection of the shepherd and Jesus ran us down. And you made a decision that Jesus would be the Lord and Savior of your life. And he put you on his shoulders and he carried you back to safety. And now you live your life in the confines of a shepherd who loves you and leads you to green pastures. Somebody give God praise today. That's a beautiful place to be. You were lost and you've been found. But I got a confession. I didn't like this story for a really long time. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. It doesn't make sense. Like, why would he leave 99 for one? That's just a bad ratio. That's just a bad investment. Are the 99 people not important? Are the 99 sheep not worth watching? He leaves them in the open country, it says. And I, and I struggled to understand why God would do that. Then as I studied it, it got it hinted at in several commentaries. It says, what if those 99 represent the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were righteous in their own eyes and thought they did not need to be found? Well, that kind of changes it, doesn't it? Because if you think you're righteous and no, you have no need of saving, if you think you're righteous, you have no need to repent, which means turn from your sin and turn to Christ. And that is the absolute worst place you could ever be when you think that you're good with God. See, I believe Jesus told this story because verse one said he was trying to teach the Pharisees and the, and the, law, and the leaders of the law some, a lesson. He's saying, listen, I'm trying to wake you up that you 99 who think you are righteous and think you don't need saving, I'm going after these ones that know they need saving, but you need to wake up that you need saving too. 
Guys, it's a, it's a wake-up call to us today that if, if our faith isn't based on only the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he laid down his life for the forgiveness of our sins in an empty tomb, meaning he rose from the dead, and our faith is based on a Savior who did that for me, then we need to be found. And the only thing that will keep you from admitting you're lost is pride. To say, I need saving. Don't let that stop you. Listen, if you're banking on anything else, if you think, I- I've grown up in a Christian home, therefore I'm a Christian, listen, that is not going to save you. You're lost and you need to be found. If you think I'm a good moral person, you're still lost and you need to be found. You say, I go to church all the time. You're still lost and need to be found. Listen, there is only one thing, and it is the sacrifice of Jesus, the Savior coming to rescue you and pick you up and take you home. That's it. Listen, if you were lost and you've been found, you know what it says? It says rejoice. Go back and read this passage in Luke 15 today. God is rejoicing over you, and the angels have thrown a party over you. And every day, you know what? We can can be struggling in so many areas of our life, and we can be emotionally spent, and we can be spiritually dry, and we can be relationally empty, and we can have all these things we wish were different, but we can still rejoice because the God of the universe says, I love you, and I've saved you, and I'm with you, and forever you're mine. So rejoice. Rejoice. The good shepherds got you. Right here. Right here. Down and so if you're lost, you've been lost, but you've been found and God has sought you, here's what I want to just challenge you to do. Seek him. The, the season of seeking all these other things, don't let seeking Christ diminish. Make this a season of your life, these next few weeks, a season of seeking the Lord more than you've been seeking him. Take extra time to seek him. Don't get all the presents wrapped, but seek him. We have, and if you're in a small group, you're getting a Christmas Advent devotional every week. Read those, study those, pray over those. Get on uh, version and download some, uh, some um, Bible studies and devotionals to read personally in your daily quiet time with, the God, with your Lord. And I want to say this. Don't wait for January 1st to say, now I'm going to seek him. Because here's what happens. A resolution, the first time you fail in a resolution, guess what happens? You quit. I failed. It's over. But when you start a habit, it's different. If you say, listen, I'm going to start a habit of seeking the Lord, you can start that today. And if you mess up tomorrow, you're still trying to build a habit on Tuesday. And you can keep going and build a habit. So when January 1st comes around, 2023 is going to be way different because you have made seeking the God who has sought you the priority of your life. And you long to be with him. And you're reminded that the good shepherd is with you. And it's going to be a different year. I have no idea what the circumstances will be in your life next year, but if you seek him like he sought you, it's going to be different. It's going to be better. It's going to be what you need. The good shepherd's got you. So we are either lost and need to be found. We have either been, or we've been found, um, 
we were lost and have been found, or we are found and we are finding others. Found in finding others. Again, listen, if you're lost, he says rejoice. I mean, if you've been found, rejoice. But listen, he says, if you and I rejoice when other people are found, that's a good indicator that we've been found. Do you get excited when, when people get found? How about when little Stephen got baptized today? That gets me excited. And you know that the Pharisees and these guys didn't have their heart in the right place because when Jesus was finding these lost people, these broken people, these hurting people, they weren't rejoicing, they were criticizing. I think it's a really good indicator that you and I, our heart may not be in the right place if we don't get excited about seeing people that are lost found. I get fired up about it. I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit of an addict. I'm not a thrill seeker. That's not my personality. I don't get really, I have never, I'm just going to tell you, I have never experienced a high like that. I have, that is, the, that is the pinnacle for me, seeing lost people that were in darkness step into light, who were separated from their heavenly father, find a relationship with them, who, those who were carrying a weight of guilt and condemnation because of their sin, come out free and lighter and forgiven. There is nothing like that. Amen. So we started over a year ago, the staff and elders and other leaders in our church were praying for 30 people to be baptized in 2022. You say, why 30? Well, 29 was our best year ever, and that was a while back. And I just said, Lord, you, I, I just want to believe you to do more than you've ever done here, that you will find more lost people than you've ever found. And so we started over a year ago praying for that. And I can tell you, little Stephen was 26. That's pretty cool, right? We got three more scheduled in the next two services. Do the math. There's just one more. Listen, there's just one more that needs to be found. And then one more after that. And then next year, one more after that. And then next year, one more after that. And the person you work with, after that. And the person you're living with, after that. And the person that you uh, go to school with, after that. And one by one, and the lost get found, and the lost get found. Listen, I can tell you the purpose of your life is to seek and to save the lost, just like Jesus, that he came to seek and save the lost. You and I are still here, because the one thing we can't do in heaven is to seek and save the lost. So he's calling you and I to join him. We started Go Big this year. We're, we're challenging you to pray for lost people, to hang out with them like Jesus did, and to share the good news with them. We've given you uh, uh, invite cards for Christmas Eve. If somebody's going to come to church and they don't usually come to church, Christmas Eve is a beautiful time to say, hey, why don't you come and enjoy a beautiful service with your family? And we're just going to challenge you to invite people here on Christmas Eve to be a part of a service that they'll hear about the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. You tell them about your faith too. My last challenge before we pray is that we, a couple, a couple months ago, we did that series, Go Big, to just challenge you guys, to, all of us, to live a lifestyle of seeking and saving the lost. And one of those Sundays, Jeff was preaching, and he asked you to come put post-it notes on, of names of people that were lost that needed to be found. Remember that? And we stuck them on the wall, and then they fell off the wall, and then we stuck them on the wall, and they fell off the wall. Well, we didn't give them a chance to fall. They're on top of the altar today. And so after I pray and the music begins, we're going to invite you. If you want to come and pray over those that are lost that need to be found, that you just come and just, just pray over them. Maybe you're going to pledge yourself to be a part of that mission to find the lost that need to be found.
Let me just ask you again, which one are you? Because everybody's one of those three. You're either lost and then you're finding one. You were lost and you've been found. Or you're found and you're finding others. Listen, if you're lost and need to be found, you can be found right now. You don't have to go find God. He made the first move. He came to find you and he laid down his life for you. Just respond and ask him to forgive you of your sin. You turn from your sin and you turn to Christ and ask him to be the leader of your life. He'll take care of the biggest problem that you've got in your life and that is sin that wells up into selfishness that ruins everything else in our life. He says, I want to take that problem away. Let's pray together. God, it's incredible to think that little baby in a manger had a huge mission. That little baby in a manger didn't just come so we could have Christmas presents at Christmas. That little baby in a manger came as a rescue mission to seek out the people in this room that are watching online, the people in our world that are scattered from the flock. And they need to be found. And God, I believe today you want to say to that person, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me, you who have tried and tried to please God and have fallen short. Come to me, you who are wrapped in religion. Come to me, you who have never really given Jesus a second thought. Come to me, any and all who will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved today. Come. And he's saying, respond right now. So as an act of obedience, as the Lord is saying, come, would you pray this prayer to God? And from your heart, the words aren't magical, but what you, we all, the, the intent behind your heart is what matters. Say, Jesus, today I come because I realize I'm lost and I need to be found. And I believe when you said you laid down your life, you laid down your life for me. You paid for my sin. You rose to give me new life. And the best I know how, I'm not gonna put my faith in myself or religion or philosophy or being good. Faith is only found in you, Jesus. I gotta believe there's... There's a party starting in heaven because somebody turned to Jesus today. And listen, if that's you, we don't have to make a big deal about it. I won't call attention to you. You can just slide. There's going to be a bunch of people up here praying. Just slide on up and tell me, today I, today I did it. I was found. We got to celebrate that. God, I pray for the believers in this room. Man, this season of seeking, we won't forget to seek you. God, call us, remind us, challenge us, woo us to make time for you in the next two, three weeks. I will start a habit of seeking you. We'll get renewed in a habit of seeking you. We'll forsake other things to seek you. God, I pray for those who said, man, I want to I help find others. 
Help us to take those good intentions and make them prayers and make them decisions about how we spend our time and make them into decisions about how we talk about you and invite people to come hear about you. Take them from intentions to actions, I pray. Lord, now as we make this altar a place of worship, a worship place of prayer, God, we're going to ask that a bunch of these people that are represented by the names on these postcards, that they'll come to saving, God, that they'll come home to you. That we get any credit, but that you would get the glory. God, that they'll come home to you. We pray that in Jesus' name. You come as we sing. Amen.